Good afternoon. It's such a pleasure to see each and every one of you out this afternoon. If you want to go ahead and open in your Bibles, take your Bibles out and open them to First Chronicles. That's where we'll be studying from this morning or this afternoon. Excuse me, First Chronicles. As you turn there, I want to thank Brother Eric for the songs that he has picked for us for this idea of hope. I especially enjoy that last song. This. Uh, idea of the anchor that we have, that we're not just out there tossed to and fro and drifting aimlessly, but have something holding us firm. That, that certainly brings a lot of hope to my mind, especially as we have seemingly felt a little bit like we were drifting in the past, in the past couple of months as we've tried to, to find a house over here, just to have that reminder that, that God has a plan for us and that, that He's taking care of us has been such a, a, a wonderful help to us. If you would, open in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles, the 28th chapter. 1 Chronicles 28. And we're going to be reading from the first 10 verses of this chapter. Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains of of the divisions, who served the king, the captains over thousands, the captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the, <clears throat> over all the substance and possessions of the king and of his sons, with the officials, the valiant men, and all the mighty men of valor. Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and for the footstool of our God, and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name, because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the houses of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he has chosen Judah to be the house of my father. And among the sons of my father, he was pleased with me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my my son And I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgment as it is this day. Now, therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God, that you may possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. There we go. So that's what we're going to be talking about this afternoon. We're going to be talking about David's charge that he gave Solomon. Now this is very uh, very fatherly advice that he's giving to his son. It's something that we can kind of we can picture in our mind a father setting his son aside and, and giving him information on how to be a, a strong man. But the kind of information he's given him is focused very much on being a strong spiritual man. But let us not re- forget that this the words that he has spoken to him are very applicable to each and every one of us, male and female. This is near the end of King David's life that he has given Solomon his charge, and it is, it is pertaining to the building of the temple. 
But I wanted to look at a particular uh, verse in this, verse 9, and note the words that David uses in verse 9. Again, we'll read, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. In verse 9, David's charge to Solomon includes three things. It includes Solomon's duty towards God. It includes his motivation for fulfilling this duty. And it includes a promise. A promise regarding whether or not Solomon fulfilled his duty. What David charged Solomon in these, in these passages has very much application for us today in regards to our service to God. So in using this verse as our text, I want us to consider a few things. The first one being our duty to the Lord. That's the first part of this passage as he says to them, Know the God of your father and with a excuse me, know the God, the God of your father and serve him. So the first thing we see is our duty to the Lord is to know God. We see this is something that has been carried out throughout the Bible, not in just, just these passages. If you want to turn over to Jeremiah, keep your, your pages marked here maybe, move your ribbon over if you have one, but look over in Jeremiah. And in the ninth chapter, Jeremiah talks about this, this importance for knowing God and how that is our duty. Jeremiah 9 and verse 23 through 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. This is the most important thing in life we can do, is to know God. In fact, God is displeased with people who do not know Him, as was the case in, in Hosea's day. If we want to look over in Hosea, in the fourth chapter, look at verse 1 starting out. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, your ch you children of Israel, for the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. He was saying, this is what I have against you, that you don't know me. And then in verse 6, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being, uh, from, you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. So we see this was going on in Hosea's time, but we can also see that in the apostles' times, this was also uh, something that they were dealing with. Look over in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God... They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changing the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to their uncleanness, in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, 
who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do these things which were not fitting. It's not hard for us to see that the problem that was going on in Hosea's day the problem that was going on in, in the, the day of this letter to the Romans is a problem that is still going on today. We, we need to have a good knowledge of God. And it's interesting because God has made himself known to us. It's not something that we could say that we didn't have the possibility to know you, God. Because as his, as his word says in Psalm 19, the first, in the first three verses, that his, his knowledge of him was made in just the creation itself. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So we see even his creation uh, shares with us the knowledge of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, the first two verses of this chapter talk about God revealing himself to us. God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the Father by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom He has also made the worlds. So through His creation, through revelation, through the sending of His Son, God has made Himself uh, open to us. He has made Himself known to us. Have we made serious efforts to know Him back? He is going through great lengths to, to make sure that we have the opportunity to know him. Are we attempting to know him back? The next thing that we see that Solomon says in, this, in Chronicles in verse 9 is after he says you are to know the God of your father, he says to serve him, to serve God. And he says to do so with a loyal heart. Uh, the, the NASB and the ESV both say with a whole heart. And I believe it's the, it's the NIV that says wholehearted devotion, to serve God wholeheartedly. This is exactly what Jesus was saying in Matthew 22. We want to flip over to Matthew 22 and look in these passages. Jesus is saying how we are to, to love God and how we are to serve Him. Matthew 22 and look in verse 36 through 38. And this, this was the, the, the Pharisees had, had heard, um, well, when the Pharisees had heard that the Sadducees were silenced, we sent one of them coming in they, to ask him a question, and it says that they are trying to test him. And so in verse 36, says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's just really paraphrasing what, what Solomon had said before, that you are to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. That means you do it with all the fiber of your being, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In verse 38, he says, this is the first and the greatest commandment. So we are to, to serve God with a loyal heart. But then that next word that he said was we are to serve God with a, with a willing mind. Serve God with a willing mind. Well, what does that mean? Uh, some commentators have said that we are to serve God sincerely. We are to serve God cheerfully and freely. 
neither in a hypocritical manner, nor through forces and constraints, but or with a loathing or weariness. What does that mean in layman's terms? That means we're to serve God and we're to be happy to do it. And we're not to do it begrudgingly. We're not to, to do it out of a, a feeling like, I have to do this. We're to do it because we have the opportunity. It should be our privilege to serve our Lord. And this is the kind of service that God expects for us today. It's the same kind of service that he talks about in our giving. When he says for us to give, we're to give with that, uh, with that willing mind. He talks about that when we would think of elders and shepherding, to be willing to do that. We obviously wouldn't want elders that didn't want to be elders. So, so we see this idea of serving God with a loyal heart, I mean, giving all of our service to Him, all of ourselves, immersing ourselves in that service, and also with a willing mind, wanting to do it, desiring to do it. So to know God and to serve Him, this is, this is what David was telling Solomon. He says to do this with sincerity, do this with zeal. That is our duty to the Lord. We can also learn other things from this charge, though. We can also see that we have a motivation to fulfill this duty. Our motivation that he says, first of all, to Solomon, he tells him that the God that God searches the hearts. It says, for the Lord searches all the hearts. We would see later in First Kings, if we want to just turn over a few, uh, a few chapters, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, back to First Kings, and look in chapter eight. First Kings chapter eight and in verse thirty-nine, we read: Then, then uh, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act to give to everyone according to his way, whose heart you know. For you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. So we see here that he that he knows all the hearts of the sons of men. As Solomon is now confessing, Solomon has taken these words that David has given him, and now he's confessing. He's saying, "I understand it. God understands, and He knows." The hearts of men. And today, that's the exact same case that we live under. Look in John. John chapter 2. John chapter 2 and in verse 24 through 25, and it talks about that all these people were coming because they had seen the miracles. And it said that many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. But it says in verse 24, Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men. And he had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. So we see Jesus. Jesus is able to know the hearts during his earthly ministry. While he was here on the earth, he was able to know the hearts of men. But also turn over to the Revelation. We see that that didn't end when he left this world. Because even today, Jesus knows the hearts and the thoughts of man. In Revelation 2, in verse 23... He says, I will kill her children. Talking about Jezebel is this idea of sexual immorality. He says, I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches in the minds and hearts. And I will give each of you, to each of you, according to your works. So again, we see that Jesus continually is searching the minds and the hearts of all. And there is no way, absolutely no way that we can hide our hearts from God. We might think of, of Jonah trying to hide in the, in the bottom of the ship and how he, he probably really wanted to hide from the Lord at that point. And we also see him still not being hidden in the belly of the fish. And at that point, probably not wanting to be hidden from God anymore. But God was still able to know the hearts. But look in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. 
In the first 12 verses, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. For where, I go, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to you. David was saying in this passage that even the words that I'm thinking about saying, you already know them. You know me so well, so much better than I could ever even know myself. And we also see in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, the same idea again, just to reiterate. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and, it is, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So this first part of this motivation that David gives Solomon carries with it the idea of if you can't hide yourself from this duty, might as well you go ahead and serve him willingly. There's no way to hide yourself from what he's called you to do. So give yourself over to him instead. But not only does God know and search our hearts, he goes even farther than that. It says that he understands the intents of our hearts. It says the Lord understands all the intents of the thoughts. The NIV words that he understands every motive behind the thoughts. And we kind of can see how, what, what is meant by that. Maybe, maybe in, in our everyday, day-to-day life, we have an opportunity to do good for someone. Maybe it is something as simple as helping them when they've, when they've maybe dropped some papers or a book or they spilled something, and we have that moment. Before we offer to help and go, oh, I wish I wasn't around when this happened. I wish that happened when I was on in the other room and I didn't see it, but I'm here, so I'll do the good deed. But God knows the intents of those thoughts. And that's not what he's seeking for us. Not only the thoughts of the heart, uh, I, I really like this quote, not only the thoughts of the heart when regularly formed and ranged in order, but even the very beginning of them, the first motions of the mind before they are well formed. There is no way that we can hide our motives from God. But to reinforce this motivation that, that Solomon gave, or David gave Solomon, to reinforce this to know God, and to, to serve him with a loyal heart, with a willing mind, he also gave him a two-sided promise. He said, that, he said that if we seek him, he will be found in us. And, and if you want to turn over just to, to the very next chapter, to Second Chronicles, we see that this idea was carried with them uh, even into battles. Look in Second Chronicles 15. Second Chronicles 15 here, we see Asa. And when he's calling out to, to the king Azariah, he says in verse 2, And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me. Uh, excuse me, I had that backwards. I apologize. Azariah uh, went out to meet Asa. When he went out to meet Asa, he said to him, Hear me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. 
I can't help but wonder if these words that were uttered to Solomon, if that became like a battle cry to, to motivate the Israelites to continue to do good work for the Lord and do their duty for the Lord. If we are seeking Him, we will find Him. But if we are forsaking Him, He will forsake us. We see these are the same things that were taught to them back when they were first brought into the promised land and they were set up on the mountains on opposite sides of the valleys to, to yell curses and blessings to one another, reminding themselves even then at that point, if we seek the Lord, we will be blessed. If we forsake the Lord, we will be cursed. <clears throat> and the same thought is found just in the next chapter over, Second Chronicles 16. And look in verse 9. The beginning of the verse, uh, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. He's looking for those people that are searching for Him and that are seeking Him. And the key is to seek Him with all of our hearts. Turn back over to Jeremiah again. Turn back to the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to look back in 29. 29, in the first three verse, or in verse 13, excuse me, 29 verse 13, and you will seek me and find me, and when you search for me with all your heart, that's the same thing that Jesus is saying now in Matthew 7, Matthew 7 in the 7th chapter, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you, and everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to, to him, <clears throat> and to him who knocks it will be opened. So are we making a diligent effort? Are we making a diligent effort to find God? Are we making a diligent effort to learn our duty to Him? Are we making a diligent effort to do His will? His promise is that if we seek Him, we will find Him. We will find what He wants from us. He will find what He wants us to do and we will be able to do it. But on the other side of that promise that, he gave, that David gave Solomon is if we forsake Him. So if He forsake Him, He will cast us off forever. As it was with Israel. He said in Israel, in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 28. He tells Israel, the, the, destruction, the destruction of transgressors and of, scissors, of sinners shall be together, and those who forsake the Lord shall be consumed. He tells the same thing to Israel, and he's going to turn around and he's going to say the same thing to us in, uh, in John 15. Or excuse me, just like Israel in 1 Kings, but now come over to John. John chapter 15. The same promise that was given Israel, if you will forsake me, then you will be cast away. John 15 and verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And the branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Then he goes on to say, just a little bit later in verse 6, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. <clears throat> How sad, how incredibly sad and terrible would it be to go through life, to go through death, and not have God at our side to be forsaken by Him because we ourselves forsook Him. How much better is it to go through life and face death with God? Just as David would later encourage Solomon, back over in 1 Chronicles 28 and in verse 20. 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 20, 
David says to his son Solomon, be strong and of good courage and do it. This charge that I've given you, be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord my God will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. How much more comfort comes from that? comes from the fact that we know God is going to be with us. If we, if we are not forsaking Him, but if we are seeking Him, we don't have to have fear. We can be strong. We can do it. If we want that encouraging promise spoken of by David, then we must accept the work that goes with it. We must accept the work that God has called us to do. That means we are to know the Lord, and we are to serve Him, and we are to do so wholeheartedly. Maybe tonight you desire to, to begin serving the Lord wholeheartedly. Maybe it, it's something that you, you have never done in the past, but maybe it's something that you, you promised to do in the past at one point, and you've realized as of late that you really haven't been keeping up your end of the bargain. You haven't been keeping up the wholehearted side of it. Maybe at one time you were seeking Him, but now you have begun to forsake Him. Again, how much comfort can be found and knowing that the Lord is with us always. Go ahead and open your books. <clears throat> to song number 208, we'll be singing in just a moment, Sing to Me of Heaven. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied in this day with my brothers and sisters singing to me of heaven. But my ultimate goal, my ultimate desire, is to be singing in heaven with the Lord and with each and every one of you. If there is some way this afternoon that we can help you, maybe, maybe it is to, to come forward and, and confess a sin that you've been struggling with. Maybe you have forsaken the Lord and you wish to, to rebuild that relationship with one another. Or if it's just something that you've been struggling with and you would like our help, please let it be known now as we come forward and sing. <clears throat>